Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag college football. It's great news. You know, we uh, we just got done with practice and just heard about it. And Kalani leaves just a little early on Tuesdays to go and do his uh, his coach's show. And so we're actually not able to uh, tackle him and, and uh, congratulate him. I mean, that's just total elation throughout the whole team. The boys were cheering when they heard. Obviously, they, they love him as a head coach. We love him as coaches. And, you know, Cougar Nation loves him, too. And it just uh, means a lot you know, to him for us to have him for, for that long. And, you know, the administration showing the belief in him and, and the direction that the program's going. So totally, uh, totally excited about that. Eliza Tuiaki, BYU defensive coordinator, talking about the contract extension for Kalani Sataki. Got an extension a couple years ago through 2023. Now he's got one through 2025. Tack a couple more years on. PK, we've seen a million times that schools and coaches who want to get around contracts can get around contracts, but nonetheless, it does carry a little bit of weight. But coming off an 11-win season, you can't be that surprised. I think it's extremely uh, great news for BYU, as uh, Tuiaki said. I think it's some form of symbolism is that we believe in him. You know, who knows what's going to happen if some Pac-12 team comes calling and wants to double his salary. BYU relishes like a pig in mud that they're so happy to say we don't uh, get in that arms race so they could lose him. But you can't control that. What they can control is them giving an opportunity to show security and tell people in the community, hey, we support this guy, and tell recruits we support this guy. And so all that stuff, that's what they can do right now, and they did it. And I think it's very positive news for BYU. Very, I, I, I couldn't be happier for the guy because everybody loves him. There's no doubt about that. And I think he deserved it. You know, they gave Mark Pope an extension after one season. And so Kalani's got the program going in the right direction, and he's got an opportunity for anybody who doubts that to prove them wrong and show them this season. Apparently it's time for extensions because BYU is not the only team with news. Texas A&M finalizing a new contract extension for Jimbo Fisher. His average salary will now move to $9 million, according to reports. He's entering his fourth year at Texas A&M. He originally signed a 10-year, $75 million contract when he left Florida State to go to AM. So this bumps the deal back up, so he's got 10 more years. It's now running through 2030, and it's worth more than $90 million. He's now the second-highest-paid college coach behind Nick Saban. That's a ton of cash. But it's the Jumbo's SEC. Jumbo's now Jumbo. Yeah, right. Jumbo! <laughs> Nebraska's home sellout streak remains intact. They've got their money game with Fordham. That doesn't sound like a great experience, but a couple of boosters went in and bought up the remaining tickets, and it's going to a new uh, program Nebraska started called the Red Carpet Experience, which provides tickets and a small meal to children in eighth grade or younger. So you've got some kids who normally wouldn't be able to go to a game, and they're going to send them to a game and keep their sellout streak intact for now. So what is a small meal? One dog, one hot dog, and a small <laughs> soda. Not a big one. Do you get a you get a bun? Small one. Sure, you get a bun. <laughs> you might even get access to ketchup and mustard, but pickle relish is a step too far. Onions, please. Uh, well, 
This kind of reminds me of uh, the play, play uh, consecutive play streak, uh, game streak, I'm trying to say. I yes. AC Green had one, and he got popped in the face or something. Yep. And, and yep. so uh, he came up here. Had a broken like, nose Phoenix, or a cracked cheekbone. He, he started the game and then came right out. I mean, it gets a little silly. Yeah. Ohio State quarterback Quinn Ewers has signed a name, image, and likeness deal with GT Sports Marketing for $1.4 million. It runs for three years and is in exchange for autographs. So that's a little bit of the roll of the dice there by GT Sports Marketing. See if people want his autographed memorabilia. I guess if he's one of the all-time Ohio State greats. Somebody in well, as well, but you know, I was thinking about this because these quarterbacks bounce around, and oh, no. Burrow didn't play there, so he went to LSU and blew up in number one pick, and and the kid last year is with the Beer Bears, Fields, what was he with Georgia, and then he moved over, uh, JT Daniels now over there from Georgia to SC to Georgia, so they bounce around a little bit. Now I don't know anything about GT Sports. Is that local? Because does this commit him? I was wondering, I was thinking about this uh, yesterday when I saw the story. If it's a local thing, does a kid then think twice about transferring? Now, the rest of the players, except I don't know that it applies, because if you're getting a deal, like we've got some guys here that we've hooked up to the station on our show, Samson Deku and Nick Ford. Well, we did it because obviously they're playing. And they've got they solidified their spots. I don't know if Nakua is going to be a starter, but he's going to play because receivers you play multiple during the course of the game. The quarterback, obviously, it doesn't be a blight to that situation. So will it keep quarterbacks in place if they have a big local deal? And I guess the other thing with these contracts, and it doesn't really matter if it's this contract or if it's the coaching deals with BYU and Texas A&M or anybody else for that matter. If you don't see the contract, you know, what is guaranteed? Are there outs in there? I mean, they can announce this big contract, and that sounds great. But if he doesn't win the starting job, or if he doesn't play a certain percentage of the snaps, is the company covered because the money goes way down? You know, if you're not reading the contract, there's all kinds of stuff that could be in there. Well, he's not going to start. He didn't win the job. Uh, Stroud, I think he's a redshirt freshman, got the job. And the other, Miller's uh, another kid who's in the running, and he's a redshirt freshman. This kid just got there the other day because he blew off his senior year in high school. So who's to say he even sees the field because he's got everybody, the three three of those guys anyway, are all basically in the same class. Yeah. And the money may not be spread evenly. Three years, $1.4 million. It may be fifty grand the first year, and the money's backloaded. And if he doesn't get the job, there's a chance to get out of it that – there could be all kinds of stuff in there. And this is why he left high school, because Texas didn't have anything available for high schoolers, I guess. So he left to go to Ohio State early so he could cash in. So making the money. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Jacksonville Jaguars coach Urban Meyer said he and the GM, Trent Baalke, took a player's vaccination status into consideration during final roster cuts. Quote, everyone was considered. That was part of the considerations, production. Let's start talking about this. And also, is he vaccinated or not? Can I say that that was a decision maker? It was certainly in consideration. Meyer's comments didn't go over well with the NFL Players Association. Uh, They've led led us to an open investigation. Apparently, there's a deal between the Players Association and the NFL, and I don't know. I think there's a little irony for a guy who has uh, <clears throat> spun the truth on multiple occasions and 
talked about core values while 27 guys were getting arrested down there at Florida and had the stuff at Ohio State, too. And now he tells the unvarnished truth, PK, and we got an open investigation. Well, I don't think it's singular to him. As soon as the Cam Newton thing came out, there was thoughts yep. about that, too. Yeah. So, I mean, he's Urban Meyer's not in a unique position here. I think this was inevitable. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know how that works. I don't know any of that stuff, but I do know that they're going to look into it, and they're probably and he's he's not going to be the only one. I believe you were correct. Texans' initial 53-man roster has Deshaun Watson on it. Team retain, remains intent on keeping him on the active roster for the duration of the season as he deals with 22 active lawsuits. So that continues on in Houston. Cut down day in the NFL. Any of the uh, local names surprise you one way or another? Surprised a guy made a roster or surprised a guy didn't? And this takes a while to shake out, so I don't want to say anything definitive about people's career with practice squads and then an injury week one and someone could be right in there. So you never know. I was shocked. Each and every one of them. (laughs) Okay, fine. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Rajon Rondo laid out why he thinks the Lakers can get back to the mountaintop and win the NBA title, telling reporters, wisdom is definitely key to winning a championship. And we have a lot of that, obviously, with the aging experience on the court. I'm most excited about not being the oldest guy on the team anymore. I'm actually about fifth oldest now, so that's a big step for me. Going from two months ago, I'm one of the young guys now. <laughs> At 35 well, years old. No matter what age he is, he still can't shoot. Well, that does seem to be a factor. But, I mean, he's 35, been in the league this long for somebody who can't shoot. Good for him. Yeah, and he's been deep in the playoffs and won a title in Boston a long time ago. So. I think he won one last year, too, didn't he? On the Lakers last year? I believe you are correct. Yes. I know I am correct. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. A swing and a miss. A delayed double steal attempt. Throw to the play. It is The 2 2 to Toro swung on and belted. Deep to right center field. This one going back, going back. Grandma, get out the right bread and mustard. It is grand salami time. Abraham Toro with a grand slam. Abraham Toro with a grand slam off. Kendall Graveman, the player he was traded for last month. That is an oddity right there. And the Mariners, those are the only runs in the game. The Mariners beat the Astros 4 to nothing. I know for me, you know, traditionally it's uh, pastrami and rye. I always tell them to change it. I do not like rye bread. Haven't liked it since a kid. I don't like chocolate mint. I don't like rye bread. You don't like chocolate mint what? Anything. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm with you, you on the it. rye bread. I'm, I'm, I'm no go on the rye bread. Sourdough or wheat? I'm pretty narrow there. I don't know what the, what's going on with the pumpernickel French. thing. I don't even know. Oh, pumpernickel. I can take no. it. No. But not rye. Rye, to me, is on the same level as mint. Don't like it. You also heard Shohei Otani stealing home. Angels beat the Yankees 6-4. Yankees have now lost four in a row after that big win streak. Look out. Angels get the win, and Shohei Otani is just living the dream. He hits tape measure home runs. He's an excellent pitcher, and now, you know, just for kicks, he's stealing home. Well, it was a double steal. They went to second, and the throw was down, and they threw down. 
back to the plate, and he's so long. You know, he's six five, right? So he was. It was a cool slide. I've seen it fifty times already. I've been up since four o'clock this morning, and I mm-hmm. saw it last night anyway. But uh, yeah, where he takes his right, his left hand as he's moving away from the base and able to get there, and he's so long that he can reach the plate. It was a heck of a slide. And, you know, he uh, speaks Japanese, uh, a little bit of English, but he does the uh, with the interpreters. And it was funny because it's a universal sign. So he pops up from the slide and gives a safe sign. <laughs> so there we saw it. And it was great. It was a great play, no doubt about it. And it's been highlighted because he is he's a phenomenal player. And I was thinking about this, you know, all this stuff with the races and going on and it's, it's a country divided. It's not that sports doesn't have a problem because everything has there's a, there's an issue everywhere. But at the same time, sports is pretty good about accepting people no matter who you are, no matter what you look like, and as long as you're a great player. I mean, look at it, man. Here he is, this Japanese kid, and he is as hot as can be in our country, right? And certainly we've had it over a number of years with with uh, like Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, whomever it might be, uh, coming from another country and just being superstars and being so just completely and totally embraced so a little bit of a hope here in you know some issues that have obviously been in the news for so long now and it's continuing to be rightly so but that we can appreciate great play no matter what you look like or where you're from we do love winners and the dodgers win again do we love the dodgers though some of you do. You got ties going back. You rooted for the Dodgers since they were in Ogden with a minor league team and Lasorda was managing there. Or you just moved up from L.A. In Southern California transplants. Dodgers are doing it, PK. The charge that people have waited for all year. They beat the Braves 3-2. The Brewers beat the Giants 6-2. So the Dodgers inch within a half game of first place. Yeah. The Giants got down. That game was on FS1. And I watched a little bit of it. And they didn't have the magic. Had runners at the corners in the sixth, couldn't get the big hit. Had a couple on in the seventh, couldn't get the big hit. Don't forget the leadoff double by Wade to start the game. I wasn't with it early in the game, sorry. I was. You're the man. I am not the man. I've never been the man. Certainly not in some areas. I'm far from it, but I happened to be watching that because I was looking around. It's just, I mean, there's no college football yet or NFL, so baseball's what we got, and I'm totally fine with it. So I did watch that, yeah. Uh, I think for the Dodgers, uh, yeah, it's good news, bad news. You know, because at the same time, their payroll's off the charts compared to everybody else. You can go look it up. Uh, so they should be good. And, 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 you know, you got the Rays over there in, in uh, the American League East. They have a low payroll, low attendance. And you can feel good about them because they're doing it with smoke and mirrors somehow. And they're doing it through the acumen of the administration in the front office of the Dodgers. And, they got great crowds. They've got just billions of millions of dollars they put out there. and They should win. And they're getting guys back. You know, if Seager's been out for a good while, he's back now. And Buki Betts has been out of the lineup. He's back now. So, yeah, there's a reason. They're really good, but they pay to be really good. <laughs> 266, almost $267 million in the payroll. The Yankees at $203 million are the only other team over 200. So. Yeah, and between them, that you know, a sixty million dollar gap between the first and yep. second place. Can yes. you imagine between third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and so forth? Uh, when you get down to eleven, the uh, or even the Giants, who are tenth, are one hundred sixty-one million. So the Dodgers are outspending the Giants by one hundred and five million, and the Giants have the tenth biggest payroll. They're in the top third of Major League Baseball, and that's a staggering amount of difference there, yep. right there. 
Uh, and mentioning the Rays, they beat the Red Sox. So they're eight up on the Yankees. They're ten up on the Red Sox. They are feeling good as we start September today, September 1st. And the A's have now moved within a game of the Red Sox. A's keeping those wild card hopes alive. They beat the Tigers 9-3. to mm-hmm. B's were swept by the Tacoma Rainiers. Lost in 12 innings, 3-2. to B's open a six-game set in Sacramento tomorrow night against the Rivercats at 8 o'clock. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up this morning, Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joins us at 8 o'clock. And Mike Luke, Arizona Wildcats pre- and post-game host on 1290 AM in Tucson and host of Lockdown Wildcats, joins us at 9.05 to look ahead to BYU and Arizona. Saturday night, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday is presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. So PK the question of the day. It feels like we've been down this road before. But it also feels like this road is finally changing. Change is coming. No Power 5 opponent for Utah in the non-con. Who did that? Who dropped non-con and cracked you up? When did that start? Was that a year ago or two years ago? It had to be two years ago because there was no non-con last year. Uh, I was thinking it was a Pac-12 lady. Yeah. No Power 5 opponent in the non-con. Why doesn't Utah play a tougher non-conference schedule? Well, the short answer to that is when they went to the Pac-12, they didn't think they could handle any more on the schedule. So, Big Sky, Mountain West, BYU, that was pretty much the formula. And don't, don't double down on anything tougher than that. Now it's finally changed, and because they build schedules out, it's probably changing five years too late for Ute fans. But it's about to change here with Florida and Baylor coming on the schedule. Good. They need to do it, if not one, two. Uh, They do have one of those coming up in uh, 2023. They'll be playing both Florida and Baylor, so they'll have the two. Yeah, I don't know that those things are built out 10 years. We saw that uh, SC and LSU are playing in two years, and they just announced it. I think there's games to be had. It's a mixed bag. The Utes have an open game in four years, and Mark Harlan has said they're probably going to plug themselves into the new alliance to fill that date. So that's that one's four years out. But they do have games that are 10, 11 years out. So it gets to be a mixed bag. 
think Utah is on the precipice. I don't think they're quite there yet, but I think they're on the precipice, and I'm not even sure what precipice means. It sounds fancy. The edge. That, that they should be considered a national program. When you're putting this many guys, these many guys, into the NFL on a consistent basis now, not a one-shot deal. We'll see about BYU if they you know, built up toward it and had it this past draft. But is it more than just a one-shot deal? you got to do it repeatedly. Utah does it repeatedly. So they have a national program. They recruit to an extent nationally. Uh, you know, It's no big deal now, no big, uh, wow, I didn't see that coming. When they get somebody from Florida or Texas or whatever it might be, they got a kid, this Bishop kid out of Georgia. Right, and he's a freshman, and he's contending for playing time at safety right off the bat. Yeah. Talk to him about coming all the way out over here. Well, you know, he said, "Yeah, sure." They thought it was people in his circle thought it was a little bit bit odd, and he thought it was a bit odd at first. But as he researched it, and he credited Morgan Scally doing a great job recruiting, uh, but he saw what they did in the secondary, and that if you're a good player at Utah in the secondary. You're probably a pro, and you're probably gonna. You're certainly gonna get a look. There's no question about it. They have a, that reputation now. We don't even bat an eyelash when a Marquise Blair goes to Seattle or wherever. Uh, Burgess goes to the Rams. I mean, those are you know, two kids off the top of my head, and we know about Blackman and Johnson. I mean, we can sit here for 15 minutes and name them all. So they are a national program in that respect, and I think their schedule needs to reflect that they are a national program. They need to go big time, as big time as they can go. Because you look at the division that they're in, or the conference, well, why they play a power five. Okay, well, let's strip that back, man. Usually there's two or three teams that suck. And they slaughter, right? We don't necessarily know who they are. They change from time to time. But it's not like every game is... Is a grind. Yeah, I just don't see it. No, it hasn't been not for them. No, they've worked UCLA, and uh, one time they they don't they don't play they play Cal every other year. You know, two years on, two years off. But man, Cal came in one night and just got drilled. It wasn't very interesting at all. They had him. They had him early. I think Cal had a quarterback injury too. So, but uh, they they have worked some teams over the years, blown them out. Yeah, they're a national program. They're a big time football program. And you can see, going back, looking at the draft, how things have changed. I mean, it's 21 players drafted now in the last four years, so you're averaging more than five players drafted per year, and, and you didn't miss at all? No. <laughs> and they had 13 guys drafted in six years when they first joined the league. So you've gone from two NFL guys in every draft to five in a draft, but that's more pronounced because... The guys who are a year away from being drafted, who aren't eligible yet, they're still pretty good players, not usually coming out of nowhere. That may change with more uh, transfers coming in and just doing the one year. Uh, but So really, back then, you had four NFL guys who were you know, late in their careers and could really impact the game. Well, now you probably have 10. You do. So it's a much... It's, yeah. it's not just the draft. You've got to think, well, these guys are probably having a, at least a couple good years. You know, before they go, or should they choose to come back as opposed to put their names in? Mm-hmm. And Utah has a high percentage of guys that come back, which says something about the program too. So I think they need to do away 
with these Mountain West teams. I don't know how else to say it. So Mark Harlan just did a long interview with Dave Fox, and they ran some of it on Sunday. But he was talking about the alliance, and he said, um, our next available date is in 2025, and we'll probably do something with the alliance to fill that date. And he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, as teams naturally, you know, things come up and they move off the schedule, we'll put in some alliance games there. So you can Google it and look at it, and I am right now, and you may be too, but Mark made it pretty clear just because it's on the schedule right now in a certain day or year, you know, whether they're pushing games to the future or games are just going away altogether, that is certainly on the board. You know, he didn't want to announce anything, but he didn't accidentally throw that out there. Something's something's going on or they're planning to have something happen down the Yeah, and, and that's great, but I'm not impressed just because of this alliance because there's a lot of dog teams. Oh, who do you get, right? And who yeah. do you get in what year? I mean, does Nebraska look really good right now? But when Michigan came in, people were pumped for that, and Michigan wasn't even great. Those were good, Yeah, but they, you can't Michigan control teams. that. That's their problem, not your problem. Depends on how far out you schedule, right? Um, who knows? They're, they're going to fill that 2025 date, but are they going to fill it in the next six months, or are they going to wait and hold it and do it just a year or two out? Were there lessons learned when stuff was thrown together real quick last year? Hey, why not? Why not hold for 2025? You're trying to create TV properties, so create the best one. Make sure the Utes are good. Make sure the opponent is good. Well, all all that stuff is just, I don't want to hear it. Schedule yourself a much tougher non-conference schedule than you've done for 10 years. That's the bottom line. You think you're SC's rival? Fine. Think whatever you want. I don't care. But then you need to be in the ballpark that they're doing. And you need to have, and you're never going to have a rivalry uh, to the level of the SC Notre Dame. I get that. But the other times, schedule it because this is a big time football program that should be playing all over the country. And it's stadium size, whatever. I mean, Oregon's going to, to Columbus, and or, uh, Ohio State was supposed to go to Oregon last year. And their stadium isn't any bigger than what the Utes play in. And the stadium's just fine the way it is. Uh, It's actually great. It's better than fine. And so I want to see big-name programs coming in here, whoever it might be. I want to see it. And a home-and-home. Well, the home-and-home with Florida starts next year. Starts, Starts in Gainesville, and then Florida will be here in two years. So that's the next big one. The other names on the schedule... Baylor, Arkansas, Wisconsin, and LSU. Those are the home and homes they've laid out over the next 12 years. That's great, but should be every year from it's, here on out. Yeah, it's 9 of 12 right now from here on, not counting this year, but in the next 12 years, they got year. 9. And this year's schedule isn't near good enough. One year, yeah, and this is the only year that will look like this going forward right now is uh, in 27. It's Wyoming, Houston, and BYU. But we'll see if they move that around. So, You're a big-time program. Your schedule should reflect it. Play these big intersectional games. Go out and pitch yourself and get it done. Play in Dallas. Play in Vegas, wherever it might be. Have a huge national interest marquee matchup early in the season. I think you should because I think this program deserves it. It's on the level of all these other programs. 
You know, you just you take the top tier, the same four or five teams that are competing for the playoff every year, and they've separated themselves. But the next group, I think the Utah football program is right there with them. You know, maybe a lower end, whatever, you can debate it all you want. But I believe they're in that next tier. To see Utah be ranked now, it's expected. It's no big surprise. And to see them send a pipeline to the NFL, it's expected. It's no big surprise. I guess the question is, will we still expect it and will it be no big surprise after Kyle retires, whenever well, that is? Well, he's not retired now, so why are we talking about that, man? Well, because we're talking about scheduling over the next decade, and you made it clear you do not believe he will be here a decade from now, which makes sense. He'd be well, in his he's 70s. He's made it clear. Yeah. Uh, he's got a plan. Well, I don't care about that, man. You're not going to, well, we're going to schedule dogs because we might make a bad hire. That's not the way you... Not the nope. way you do things. Well, it's not, and it's not the way they've done it because the Wisconsin and LSU stuff is out there. I don't. That, that's a long way out there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I mean, they're not going to be uh, 11 and one every season. We understand that, but they continue to put in a number of NFL guys every year. It, there's no exceptions, and you're right. If they're putting in five, that means they got ten. Because there's some freshmen and sophomores that are NFL caliber or some juniors that decided to come back for their senior year. Looking at you, Zach Moss. Yeah, the list goes on. Yeah. So they're, they're an excellent, excellent program. I mean, I, I, I can't emphasize uh, what they're doing. And, 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 and the thing about it is they're doing it. That's the great thing is it's getting done. It's going forward. Mark, I think Mark Harlan has come in, he's recognized the situation, and he's decided we're going to do better than this. Because he knew, and that was the great thing about it, is that the other administration, and, and Chris Hill was awesome, no doubt about it, but they grew up together, became big time, and Mark came in from the outside knowing full well that they were already big time. He saw it from a distance. You see what I'm saying? So he approached it from the, there was no history there. He knew that the U of U football program was big time already. And he's come in with a big time mindset. We are as good as pretty much everybody out there. You know, you got Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. I'm not saying the Utes are on that level. If I do, a bunch of Cougar fans are going to punch me in the head, metaphorically, right? So I want to make sure I'm not saying that. But, but look at what look at what other brand-name programs. Yes. Texas, Michigan State. Oh, they're better State. than them. They're better they, than them. You went to Michigan State, beat them, and that Michigan State season unraveled. Like a and, drum! Yeah. <laughs> like a drum! Yeah, oh, they totally did. I mean, the score wasn't indicative. I was at that game, and they dominated. They absolutely dominated that game. So the great thing about Harlan is he's come in with an outsider's perspective, and he's seen that this is a big-time program. He already knows it, right? And and I don't know, was it – I think the expansion for the stadium was – they had that in the plans and all. But certainly under Harlan's watch, it got done, and deservedly so. I mean, they've, they've got – Everything you need. 
I can't think that they they lack anything to be a big time program that they already are. It's not like they have to get you know, I guess they have to get to that level up there that those select handful well, but I don't know if that's realistic, man, well, because so many schools aren't doing that. That win a conference title is the next step. After that, you can worry about, okay, win the conference title and go to the playoff. And the playoff may be changing sure. here. You'll see how I mean, that goes. But your, your point title, is, if you're routinely in the top three, four, five teams in your league, which they have been, then play the teams that are the top three, four, five teams in the league in these other leagues. Which I think they should be doing. And, and, Which is what and, Florida and, is, right? Arkansas and it looks like what Mark, that's his intention. Right. So you've got to give him credit for building up. Because, you know, he couldn't come in and just change everything right. overnight and just dash well, that's all why these you teams look at that these... were on the schedule. Yeah, this is good. It's What he's doing is good. Nine, nine of the next 12 seasons, they've got at least one of these opponents you speak of. One of them, they've got an open, one of the three that they don't, They've got an open game, and he said he's going to fill it, so that'll be 10 of 12. Yeah. And he's hinted at moving people off the schedule. So in 27, they filled the schedule up with Wyoming, Houston, and BYU. I'm a little hesitant to put Arkansas on that list, though. Yeah, I get it. I get now, it. maybe they'll be better right. Maybe at that time. And you can't control that. Uh, you have no... You, well, I think Florida's a good example of a program that could be yeah. average, could be good, could be great. But I think Florida's good enough. They're, when you made the, when you put Florida on the schedule, they are a name brand. So Wisconsin and LSU are good enough then? In my mind, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Whether they will be the particular season, I can't say. And Baylor's uh, been all over the map as well. I'll I give. I, I'll put Baylor... In that category of of being good enough, maybe I'll be proven wrong when we get there. But they've largely been top three, four, or five in the league. Now they have had a couple whoops kind of seasons. Well, they had some issues. What was the other guy? What's the guy's name? The coach that they that had to go away. Art Bryles. Bryles. There you go. And then this other kid, uh, the other guy who's now the Carolina coach, Rule. So they've gone through some coaches there. That um, is the truth. They have gotten into the Sacramento Kings kind of treadmill here. Um, they've had four coaches in six years. Yeah. So that just, as we've discussed a million times, that, that doesn't, doesn't lead work. Yeah. to uh, sustained success. What they need to get somebody in there, like Kyle, who <laughs> doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to stay. This is where he wants to be. He's completely content. And when you got that, that's why I think when Whittingham's, maybe when Whittingham is done, he'll be appreciated for what he's done. You know, be, we still get yeah. people wanting him can because they haven't won the conference. I get that. But you get down the conference. Winning the conference is basically a one-game deal after you just played nine. So it's somewhat arbitrary in that particular game. You know what I mean? Whereas before, all those years, it wasn't arbitrary. You won the conference because you played eight, nine conference games. You know what I mean? You weren't judged on one game, and somehow that's viewed as a failure. It's kind of crazy that way when you think about it, right? You play all these conference games, and then you're judged. It's like the, it's like the big sky in the Big West in basketball. You know, you play all these conference games, and then it comes down to a two or three game deal. It's it's somewhat unfair to say, well, Utah's the big negative mark is they haven't won the conference when they just went eight and one, 
and then they get in there with an NFL quarterback who looks like he's going to be a star in the NFL, and they lose that one game. Oh, you guys are bums. Well, especially because when you look at who is winning conferences, every conference has got a team that's won six in a row or eight out of nine, or those are the kind of stretches. So it goes back to your point about there's a level the Utes aren't at, but if you're not Oregon, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, you're not at that level. Because those are the five teams winning all the conference titles. Right, and that is, a, that is a cut above. So the Utes, and they're striving to get to that place. And maybe they can. I'm not going to put a limit on them. Maybe, as I say, they've got everything they need to be wildly successful. And they have been. So I, 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 to, I take a little bit of umbrage, and I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> fancy. That the criticism, oh, they, didn't, they haven't won the conference title. You go 8-1 and one and you lose this game that's played – it is. I mean, I hate to say it is what it is, but I mean that's hmm. the reality of it. Is that they they did and they did lose those two games, but still, yeah. there's ten other teams that wish they had the opportunity to lose that game, those two games. And I don't count last year. Last year was too screwy. So in my mind, they're the two-time defending South winners or first place team, whatever you want to call it, because I. I reduced last year. I mean, the team that won the North didn't even play in a freaking game. So uh, forget that. Let's hope we never have that again. But this program has accomplished a ton, and we're seeing it going forward with the scheduling. And I want to see more of it. I want to see it consistently because this program has earned the right to play these games. So BYU is playing Baylor this year, and the Utes' two-year deal kicks in after that. Uh And Baylor, this is how all over the map the Baylor program has been and why you can't say it's a big-time game or it's it's an easy W. In the last six years, they've had two years where they've double-digit wins, 10-3, 11-3. Really good teams. That'd be a really good game. They've had two years where they went 7-6. And And they've had a one-win season and a two-win season. That's crazy. <laughs> they are all over the map. So what do you get? We don't even know what BYU is going to get as far as a quality opponent this year, let alone what the Utes are going to get the two years after that. So, all right. Yeah, I D- agree with you. DJ and PK, when we come back, reaction to Kalani Sataki getting an extension. Hit us up on Facebook, DJ and PK. Hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Reactions pouring in. We'll get to it next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Cougars hit the road for their season opener in Las Vegas to square off against Arizona. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7.30, followed by the postgame show immediately after the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 until 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. (laughs) Question of the day, part two. Kalani Sataki gets a contract extension through the 2025 season. Who's loving this? 
<laughs> this is Kalani Sataki's wife and kids. And uh, yes, Ben. <laughs> ben tweeted out, uh, Mrs. Sataki. <laughs> okay, okay. Mr. Nancy go. tweeted out, well, I mean, Kalani probably is. Uh, and then Kyle sent us the GIF. I'm loving it. And then McDonald's M comes flying in. And a lot of people are loving the fact that he did that. We got more people uh, weighing in here. You can go to DJ and PK, but it's uh, pretty overwhelming, except for the Utes who are making snide comments. Really? Utes against for Kalani? Kalani was one of yours for 10 years, man. Don't ever forget that. Well, some of them have. Gosh. I know, right? Now, it's not everyone has. Todd says, I'm a Ute fan, but I like Sataki. He deserves it. Good for him. Gives him a thumbs up. There's nothing snide there. There's no snark. That seems pretty straightforward. I agree. That's the kind of fan that I like. I like the fan who can – you got your allegiance, right? And we'll just use BYU and Utah for the obvious example. You're a Ute fan all the way. I respect that. You've earned the right because you are loyal and you're committed and all that stuff. But I also like the ability to step back and acknowledge success or good, even if it's your rival or it's within your conference. So you and we, we're all biased. Anybody I've said this, anybody who thinks that you're unbiased, I don't buy it. No one is unbiased. We all have biases to one degree or another. Uh, so I can step back and say, Hey, Lute Olson, he did one heck of a job. You know what I mean? So you should be able to do that, even though you want next week, you want the Utes to win, you're passionate, and you can even hate BYU, fine, whatever, as long as it's a sports hate and doesn't go beyond that. I'm fine with it. But you got to be able to acknowledge over here when good has been done. And you look at what Sataki has done there, and I, and I, and I have to try to – remove my bias because we all love the dude and we want him to succeed right because of uh just a personal feeling i've been around this guy for 20 some years as most of us have has worked in the media right no doubt about it because he's been in the as a player he was fun to interview and and as an assistant coach and all that stuff so if you can't root for him there's an issue uh but when you look at what he did with the program you know he came in as a first-time head coach right well right there as a first-time head coach Look at Mr. Whittingham. It took a while before he got it going, did it not? Yes, it did. Uh, there were two and a half years <laughs> there, and there was a loss. And I remember uh, we were still uh, at Simmons over there on uh, 7th East, and uh-huh. we finished the show, and it was a show just like, what the heck just happened to UNLV? How did they get shut out? List the things that are wrong, because it was there were so many things that went wrong. And right. at that point, Kyle was a 500 coach. And I said, do you think he's going to make it? He kind of winces. Yeah, but whew, it's only a little more than 50-50 right now. Because it was not trending well. But literally that was a game where something kicked in, and you can go to his record. It was night and day. They went like 8-1 and one the rest of that year, and then they had the undefeated Sugar Bowl season. That was literally the last loss, the low water mark before everything changed. But even when you're two and a half years and you're in the middle of it, nobody knows for sure. It's still a roll of the dice, you know? And if we go back and look at some of those games, some of the stuff that happened, could it have gone the other way? Doesn't seem like it. I mean, he had a run where he was 
We added up. I think he went 41-7 and seven over the next 48 games after just a horrible night in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was awesome. That was, And then it took some time to regroup in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. and they've regrouped, and they're off and running now, and expectations are very high, as they should. I have them, too. I'm expecting a whole lot of success out of this team this year. I see no reason why they don't have it, and he continues to churn it out. So you had to give Kalani some time, and particularly in the situation, and they did it wrong by saddling him with inexperienced coaches. I mean, come on. I mean, nothing against Ty Detmer as a person. We loved him, too. But you're bringing in a high school coach to be a first-time offensive coordinator? What the crap? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it, it violated <laughs> one of the rules we've always heard, and we usually hear it the other direction, where the coach hires an assistant coach, not that he has it forced on, but it's actually the person he wants, and the people are like, mm, really? And you'll hear the administrator say, you've got to let them have the people they want. And this went the other way. That that wasn't his guy. Right. 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 And so they got they took care of that and a little still some growing pains because then they had a couple of 7 and 6 seasons. And yeah, I I get it. Last year was probably inflated. And I'd say definitely inflated because of the schedule. But the NFL still thought enough of their program to draft a bunch of guys and have a bunch of guys sign as free agents. So there was something there. And with that in mind, particularly BYU being limited because they unofficially are most likely going to have an active LDS guy being their head coach. We, I know they did the cross country with the ladies, but it, I'll be, I would be stunned if it would be at the football level. Uh, and I think they, I think there's plenty of guys who could do it, by the way, but it doesn't seem like that's what they would want, and that's beyond. Uh, Tom Homo or anybody in the athletic department. Obviously, it comes from a higher situation there. So it's not like they can just open it up and have a ton of people. I believe the pool of candidates is growing all the time, and in five years it will be larger than it is today. And now you got somebody like Aaron Roderick there who has a ton of experience as an offensive coordinator, and I think you'll see that this year. And he deser- Kalani deserved it, and it's, best, it's in the best interest of the football program to do it, and they did it. So you've got to give the administration credit for doing what's in the best interest of the football program. It would have raised eyebrows if they hadn't done it. He would have been getting too close to the end of the deal. So yeah. I can't tell you how many times around the football program I had heard, and, and alumni too, I got stopped at a Texas roadhouse by a prominent alumni, and I'm not going to name them, a prominent alumni. 20 minutes later, my wife and another couple that we're with are outside waiting <laughs> for me. Because, you know, if you've been to Roadhouse, you walk in and you have to wait to get seated and all. And this prominent alumni, why are they loving up Mark Pope so much and ignoring what Kalani's doing when it's so hard to do what he's doing? And he had some inside information that he gave me and that he had been privy to about recruits and whatnot and a player who just got off a mission that the school didn't know if he should be admitted and blah 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 and so all this stuff so it's good to see it's the right thing to do now go forward and now the challenge obviously is to win some games riley jensen our college football insider joins us next stay with us